Less than 30% of U.S. experts think China is currently capable of invading Taiwan. That's according to a new survey by the Center for Strategic and International Studies, a Washington-based think tank. It reported that 27% of U.S.-based experts believe China can execute an amphibious invasion given its current capabilities. Just 17% of Taiwanese experts believed the same. According to the report, this low confidence could be due to the higher chance of U.S. intervention in the scenario and due to the complicated logistics of an amphibious attack. Experts believe that in the next five years, China is more likely to execute a quarantine or a blockade against Taiwan rather than an invasion. The survey was conducted late last year on 52 U.S. experts and 35 from Taiwan. President-elect Lai Qingde visited the legislative Yuan on Tuesday to speak to Taiwan's newly elected lawmakers. Lai recalled his own experience as a lawmaker and leading member of the DPP caucus. During those years, he arrived at work no later than 8 a.m. and held three press events a day. He advised new legislators not to spread themselves thin by accepting too many social engagements. President-elect Lai Qingde returned to his old stomping grounds on Tuesday. He reminisced about his four terms as lawmaker. As the Secretary General of the Party Caucus, no matter if we were the ruling party or the opposition party, I'd hold three press conferences every day. I'd have to be at the Legislative Yuan before 8 a.m. I'd sign in at my own committee and then register at various other committees. Then I'd meet with the Party Caucus to decide which three press conferences to hold that day. That's how it was every day. As lawmaker, Lai served as Secretary General of the DPP Caucus. He earned a reputation as a hard worker, holding three press conferences a day. Though usually calm and collected, he was also known to blast the Pan Blue Coalition for obstructing bills. During his time as lawmaker, Lai didn't shy away from challenging lawmakers from the KMT and the People First Party. He strongly defended DPP interests despite his party's small size. Reflecting on his 12-year legislative career, he had this advice for new lawmakers. Be the bridge between the people and their government, stay true to one's original principles, and never forget that the goal is to improve the nation. Don't say yes to every social engagement. Many people will invite you to eat with them and people will ask you for your help. Over my 12 years in the Legislative Yuan, I didn't socialize at all. I didn't even go sing karaoke. With his return visit to the legislature, Lai underscored his long-standing commitment to Taiwan. According to a new poll, most Taiwanese don't believe Taiwan should trust Xi Jinping when it comes to cross-strait affairs. The survey was conducted by the Taiwan Public Opinion Foundation. After former President Ma Ying-jeou said that Taiwan has no choice but to place its trust in Xi. A DPP lawmaker says China should reconsider its approach toward Taiwan. It is quite clear that the Taiwanese people do not accept the 1992 consensus and the one country, two systems framework. We hope that the olive branches extended by President Lai Qingde will be met with careful consideration by the CCP authorities. We hope for improved cross-strait relations on the basis of equal and respectful dialogue for the betterment of people on both sides of the strait. The survey found that over half of respondents opposed the 1992 consensus and the one country, two systems framework. More than 40% supported Taiwan independence, while 33% favored maintaining the status quo.
Honduras cut ties with Taiwan in 2023 in hopes of profiting from the Chinese market. But less than a year after the switch, it's been left disappointed. Its main export of white shrimp has faced sharp price cuts in China. Prices are so low that shrimp farmers are choosing to sell to Taiwan instead, despite having to pay a 20% tariff. Following the January 13th election, China successfully poached Nauru, one of Taiwan's last official allies. It's now rumored to be making a move on Tuvalu, making promises in return for allegiance. But China's record with Taiwan's ex-allies is full of broken promises. Less than a year after switching allegiance, Honduras has struggled in the Chinese market despite high hopes for profit. According to a local report, China is importing white shrimp from Honduras at 4.2 US dollars per kilogram. Taiwan buys for as high as 8.1 US dollars, prompting Honduran shrimp sellers to prefer the Taiwan market despite its 20% tariff. In 2023, Taiwan imported 95.23 million US dollars in white shrimp, resulting in over 590 million NT in tariffs. Honduras had abandoned what was right in the pursuit of economic gain. Here in Taiwan, we have our own shrimp industry, but we also import shrimp from our diplomatic allies. As for white shrimp from Honduras, I say we should let the market eliminate it on its own. In the South Pacific, China is expanding diplomatically and militarily, but Australia, the U.S. and Taiwan are working together to maintain regional stability. Taiwan struggles on the global stage due to Chinese interference. Even so, many ties have endured. At her inauguration on Monday, Marshall Islands President Hilda Heine underscored the friendship between her country and Taiwan. She promised continued support for Taiwan and congratulated Lai Qingde and Xiaobi Kim for winning the presidential election. Snow has been spotted on mountains across Taiwan, from Yangmingshan in Taipei to Hewanshan in Nantou. Amid this season's strongest cold wave yet, locals rushed uphill to play in the snow and take in the wintry landscape. In some areas, traffic controls and snow plows were dispatched to ensure safety. Snow has descended on Yangmingshan. People grab handfuls from the ground, and everyone young and old joins in the snowball fight. Not even the reporter was spared. The parking lot at Erziping Visitor Center became a winter wonderland on Tuesday. According to the Central Weather Administration, snowfall began on Yangmingshan at 3.16 a.m., with accumulation reaching one centimeter. Although the white dusting didn't last long, it was enough to thrill visitors. I came here at 7 a.m. to have some fun. It was raining, so I got all wet. Some batted snowballs as if playing baseball, while others slid down slopes. By midday, the visitor center was packed with people. Some had rushed up the mountain without bringing food and were seeking a hot meal to warm up. I hadn't seen snow on Yangmingshan in a really long time. It's great to have a hot drink. This hot drink warms you right up. My hands are frozen. I couldn't even move them when I was handing over the money to pay. They felt really stiff. People also rushed to Hehuanshan, where there were snowmen galore. This one got the full treatment, complete with a real hat and scarf. From 3 a.m., cold winds brought snowflakes over the mountain, dressing it in white. 
by 7 a.m., four centimeters of snow had accumulated. Long idle snow plows were brought back into action to clear the roads. Snow fell at dawn over Fushoshan Farm, located 2,100 meters above sea level. Fresh from their beds, farm workers were delighted by the frosty landscape. This season's strongest cold air front yet is underway. Low temps and humidity came together to bring snow to Dashueshan and Shueshan. Police have placed controls on key roads to block cars without snow chains to prevent mishaps as visitors enjoy the snow. The 2024 Taipei International Book Exhibition will be kick off on February 20th. This year, the fair will feature the Netherlands as the guest of honor to mark 400 years since the Dutch first encountered Taiwan. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang has a preview. The 2024 Taipei International Book Exhibition will be held from February 20th to 25th. The Netherlands will be the guest of honor this year. For the first time, the Netherlands will be the guest of honor at the Taipei International Book Exhibition. The book fair will introduce Dutch literature at a pavilion designed by a renowned architecture firm. The pavilion's sustainable design will showcase the culture and values of the Netherlands. We are going to have a national pavilion which is going to be built by an architectural firm from the Netherlands called MVRDV. Uh, so they do the design of the pavilion, which is a sustainable, reusable and recyclable design. And that reflects the, the theme of sustainability. We have identified a few themes. Um, one of them, I already mentioned, would be sustainability. The second one would be diversity, inclusion and anti-racism. Post-colonialism is going to be very important. We will also have an exhibition where the beginning of the joint journey between the Netherlands and Taiwan will be exhibited. Several countries, including Germany, Japan, France and Thailand, will also exhibit at the event. Through the international pavilions, we hope to introduce the cultural context and the latest development trends of various countries around the world. Creating international exchanges has always been a very important mission of the Taipei Book Fair Foundation. Every year, publishers and representatives from various countries are invited to participate. This year, Thailand will bring a group of 80 people. The fair will host activities including lectures, book signing events, performances and DIY workshops. Taipei International Book Exhibition will be held February 20th to 25th at the Taipei World Trade Center. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Li Yihan in Taipei. Each year, just after Spring Festival, there's a wave of resignation letters as employees seek out their next opportunity. In the year of the dragon, many job hoppers hope to land in the fields of finance or technology. During the pandemic, workers in the shipping industry saw astonishing year-end bonuses amounting to 40 to 60 months' salary. But in the post-pandemic era, annual bonuses are back to being decided by market performance. So now office workers are setting their sights on jobs with more favorable or stable compensation and benefits, industries like finance and information technology. The Job Bank also unveiled the companies most favored by job hoppers. Among Taiwan tech companies, TSMC was number one, followed by Zhonghua Telecom and Honghai. Among traditional businesses, Formosa Plastics, China Steel and Evergreen Group were at the top. The most popular finance firms were Cathay Financial, followed by Fubang and CTBC. 
The giant yellow duck is heading back to Kaohsiung 10 years after its first triumphant visit. Exactly a decade ago, the iconic yellow rubber ducky attracted almost 4 million visitors in just one month. On January 27th, it will be back on the Love River. The big hotels of Kaohsiung have gotten involved in the program, with each offering various duck-themed events and promotions. This hotel has hopped on the little yellow duck train. There's a giant yellow duck three meters tall, surrounded by lots of little ducks, an unbearably cute scene. A fountain in front of the Grand Hotel Kaohsiung is inhabited by ducks of four different sizes, a sight that has attracted lots of would-be photographers. It's very cute. I see them when I go to and from work and think how cute they are. We had the duck 10 years ago and I went to Jilong especially to see it. Kaohsiung's Grand Hotel spotted the opportunity of the duck's return to the port city and placed this horde of ducks in its front fountain, welcoming visitors and guests to take a snap. We thought if we filled the fountain with ducks or a giant duck, we should be able to encourage some images to make the Grand Hotel come alive. Ten years after its last visit, a giant yellow duck will swim back up Kaohsiung's Love River on January 27th. Its first visit attracted 3.9 million visitors in one month. Its return is not just making waves at the Grand Hotel. A duck hunting accommodation promotion is also taking place at Fulon Hotel Kaohsiung. And the Howard Plaza Hotel is offering a discount for visitors surnamed Huang, meaning yellow, who posts a snap of the hotel online. The discount is available for anyone surnamed Huang or with a character in their name which is pronounced Ya or Duck. The Ya can be any tone. We've launched three programs with different types of guest rooms. We also have a campaign to dig up your old photos of the yellow ducky on Facebook. The big hotels of Kaohsiung are all getting in the spirit of the yellow bird. On this 10th anniversary of the big yellow ducks outing in Kaohsiung, it's not one, but two big rubber ducks. And hotels hope their offers will contribute to a wave of spring tourism. A field in Hualien has been adorned with a huge image of Taiwan. Visitors to Hualien's Yuli Township now have a new destination to consider. The outline of Taiwan's coastline has been drawn in the field by farmer Huang Shichun. The former TRA station master wanted to create an attraction that would bloom in time for Lunar New Year. It's made of oilseed rape and should be bursting into yellow flowers in a week or two. The field is also visible from the famous Kechen Iron Bridge. From high in the sky, a clear image of Taiwan's coastline appears in the field. The magnificent and highly accurate image has been created out of oilseed rape. The fine image of Taiwan rises out of the green field with the words Taiwan Uli 2024 in English below. The unique and grand design has attracted lots of visitors wanting to take a photo. It's really great. What he's done here is combine the iron bridge and the natural landscape. I think it's great. The special field is in Hualien's Yuli Township. It was created by retired TRA station master Huang Shichuan. He rented the plot two years ago and has used his artistic talent to plant and grow this new tourist attraction under the railway line that runs over the Kecheng Iron Bridge. 
I've often captured him in my aerial photos. He's running around in the field working hard and making it look beautiful. Taiwan is beautiful anyway, but this Taiwan is even more beautiful. I planted this because I calculated that it would be in full growth at Lunar New Year. So I thought that if people want to travel at New Year, they can come here to take photos of it. I thought I would use the oilseed grape field to welcome in the New Year with everyone. Huang estimates that the bright green of the field right now will bloom into yellow flowers in about two weeks. That will result in a golden yellow Taiwan image, making a great option for those looking to get out and about this new year. You'll find restaurants that open late into the night in big cities. But in rural Yunling, there's an eatery that opens around the clock, serving traditional Taiwanese fare to the locals. The owner says she used to run a roadside vendor, but when she noticed that there was a demand for food in the late night, she and her younger brother decided to set up shops so that people could grab a bite whenever they were hungry. A helping of braised fatty pork is poured over steamed rice and voila! you have a local favorite, braised pork rice. And then there's another traditional dish, meat chowder. This may look like a typical traditional eatery that you'll find all over Taiwan, but this shop in Yunling County's Shueling Township is unique in that it's open around the clock. From braised pork rice to meat chowder to rice pudding, they are all handmade by the proprietress. Here, you can eat a breakfast, a late-night snack, and everything in between. Her braised pork rice is delicious. It smells good, too. You can have it as a late-night meal or a snack. Sometimes we get drinkers visiting in the wee hours. An eatery that is open around the clock is rare in this part of Yunling. It turns out that the owner, Wang Chen Li Qing, started out as a roadside vendor. After she acquired a brick-and-mortar place a few years ago, she realized that there was demand for food late in the evening. So she divided her staff into two shifts to cover the entire 24 hours. My dishes are all signatures. They are all made with care. We don't add things indiscriminately. We prepare them in the traditional way. She started out knowing nothing about cooking. She first learned how to put together a roadside banquet from her sister-in-law and brother-in-law, and later learned how to make different dishes for a large table of diners. Besides serving food the traditional way, she also insists on a fair price. My younger brother says this is our own shop. We cook by ourselves and chop the ingredients ourselves, so we don't need to raise the prices. This is the countryside. It's not easy for people to make a living. To the locals, this humble shop has become something akin to their own kitchen. They drop in whenever they're hungry, savoring both the food and the familiarity of home.